Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman, joined by a man who, according to reports, has been moonlighting with another sport, Darren Burns. <laughs> is this true? I never moonlight with another sport. Who are you talking about, by the way? I'm glad to hear it. I don't know. I, I just heard there was a report, social media. I had sources suggesting that, that perhaps your head had been turned. No, not, not turned. By a different shaped ball. <laughs> well, I was, I was at the World Cup rugby. I must admit, I, I like a good World Cup. I was lucky enough to be in Manchester this year to watch a couple of games. And I, was, I went to Tokyo. Well, it's actually not Tokyo, outside Tokyo. But we got one game washed out because of the typhoon, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and, and this seems to be the only World Cup that's longer than the Cricket World Cup. It is quite long. But it's coming to a head now, of course. So quarterfinals this weekend, a semifinals next weekend, and the final the weekend after. Okay, that's enough. That's enough rugby <laughs> chat. <laughs> but Japan made it to the quarterfinals, which is amazing. I was there for that when they beat Scotland. It was an absolutely amazing feeling being uh, in Japan when they won. So anyway, enough rugby. Enough. And where's, that? where's Japan's cricket team, I ask? Actually, I played against a Japanese national team once. Did I tell you that? <laughs> okay. Maybe that's, that's, really? a, that's How... a story for another time. Yeah. Well, were they any good? Pretty good. They beat us quite easily. We took a second string team from Shanghai, but I got three for 27 from turnovers on a turning pitch. You know, the result, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter when you're an amateur, man. It only matters how you did. You don't, you don't have to tell me. Were there players, were they kind of local Japanese? Were there some expats? Yeah, there? similar to the rugby team. So they had um, uh, one Pakistani guy, an Indian. The captain was a New Zealand guy, and there was an Australian guy as well. The rest were Japanese players, and they were gun fielders because they all played baseball, of course. And they're much, baseball fielders are much better than cricket fielders, and I, I was run out. <gasps> going for a second run. Um, How can you say such a thing? They have a massive glove. Because it's true. Really? Is it really this true? Guy, they have bullet arms, man. This guy ran me out from the boundary. I hit it, hit it down to fine leg. And I thought I'll stroll back for two. And he rocketed this thing right over the stumps. And I was run out by two meters. Yeah, that was a while ago. When I was a much younger man. <laughs> that must really hurt. You're expecting kind of a leisurely two and then caught short. It wasn't the first time. Oh, well. Okay, so we don't have Toby with us, unfortunately. Uh, he's apparently on holiday again. Yeah, um, again. So, so we're going to have to take on a couple of English cricket issues today on the Ultra. So bear with us, listeners. Uh, we, will, we will try to do our best. But perhaps, Darren, we should start with, I guess, the, the biggest international action um, of the last two or three weeks, which is the India-South Africa Test Series. Yeah, I'm not sure about this much action going on there. There seems to be a lot of discussion around Ashwin versus Jadeja and people swearing at Pujara and, and what have you. Yeah, South Africa have really sort of crumbled, haven't they? It's sort of been typical India. Have, they bat first, score a big total, grind them down, bowl them out kind of thing. So it hasn't been a great series for South Africa. They haven't really given themselves any kind of credit there at all. But we have to be quite cognizant, I think, if they're trying to rebuild the team. There's a lot of players they don't have anymore with recent retirements of Dale Stain and, you know, A.B. de Villiers is not there anymore. So they are trying to build that young team. And it's obviously a baptism of fire, isn't it, going to India against Ashwin and Jadeja. And not just that, it's been the fast bowlers, hasn't it? I mean, whenever they've been asked to put their hand up, the fast bowlers have done very well too, with Bumrah out. So it's a really hard win now in India. Uh, and they've just crumbled, really, haven't they? Yeah, it's... It's an unforgiving place to tour at the best of times. Um, South Africa actually has a very good record in India. 
But, you know, this Indian team is actually pretty good, I think. And it's, We shouldn't forget that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the pitches haven't been... I think on the last South African tour, it was real minefields. And South Africa lost 2-0. This, the surfaces so far have actually been not what you would call like Bunsen burners for sure. Definitely they are pitches that, you know, that help the batsman first three or four days and then deteriorate um, on the fifth day. But tough. It's just a tough place. You know, you have to really bat time. There's not a lot of assistance for the fast bowlers, although I think there was on the first day in the second test. And like you said, it's a young team for South Africa, a tough place for them to come first up against a very kind of well-drilled Indian team, it looks like. Yeah, for sure. All of the Indian, you know, you, you, the batting lineup, uh, Virat Kohli, you know, knocking off another 200, 200 plus score. I think it's his seventh in the last two years. Rohit Sharma, uh, what is it? He got two centuries in the first test. Jadeja chipping in with a 91. Mayank Agarwal, I think, has, has notched up two centuries in both tests. Pujara with half centuries. Rahane with half centuries. And then the Indian bowling. Ashwin's bowled very well on his return to the Indian team. He's looked menacing. He's looked fit. I mean, that, that's, that's encouraging, I think, for Indian fans. Jadeja's continued where he's, where he left off, bowling well, batting well, fielding well. And like you said, the Indian pace bowlers have, and I think this is the most worrying thing for the South African team. The Indian pace bowlers have outbowled their South African counterparts handsomely. Handsomely, right? In the second test, easily outbowled them. Yeah, and they've had the worst of the conditions in the second test, at least. I mean, South Africa bowled bowled uh, first uh, on a pitch that was giving them some assistance. Only Kagisa Rabada really got anything uh, to show for their efforts, though three for ninety-three, and even that wasn't particularly good. Um, if you consider that Kagisa Rabada really is, you know, one of the top three pace bowlers in the world. Vernon Philander usually bowls really well in India. He's the kind of bowler who can get something out of most pitches, hasn't hasn't really impressed. And then the other guy, Anrik Nortier, has been going at like four or five and over. Meanwhile, Mohamed Shami is, you know, just, just bowling really well. Umesh Yadav has looked good, picked up six wickets in the second match really helped by some fabulous wicket-keeping, we should say, by Ridhiman Saha. Brilliant catches. Um, he's a really good keeper, isn't he? I mean, they, they tried to move Rishon Pant in there, didn't they? But I, but I think Pant is not the same quality as a keeper. No, it's not. I mean, he's a better batsman, more more explosive batsman for sure. But Saha really showing the value of a, of a specialist keeper. I mean, some of the catches he was taking, he was kind of diving, you know, in front of first slip, past first slip. And then there was one catch where he took diving to, down the leg to side. To his leg side, yeah, which was just sensational. I saw that one. That's really hard keeping, especially when the ball's turning like that. Um, yeah, look, if you look at the stats, if you see like the top three, the top four bowlers are all Indian for the series. The top batsmen are all Indian. It just, it just tells you the story, really, if you look there. I think Dean Algo's done all right with the bat for South Africa. I think the rest of them have been really wanting quite a bit. And, and like you said, th- these were not Bunsen burners. These are not some of the shocking... I remember there was a shocking wicket last time Australia toured, right? Was that the third test? Where everyone struggled to score runs, it wasn't. It's not like this. It just totally outplayed, really. Not much you can say. Yeah, totally outplayed. I mean, I think South Africa gave a good account of themselves the first four days of the first test. They scored four hundred and thirty-one uh, in in reply to India's what was it five hundred and two for seven declared. You know, there was a century for Quinton de Kock, a uh, big century for Dean Elgar. Faf Duplessis has looked pretty solid. I mean, batting at number six, he's he's moved up since then. That was a bit crazy. And Maharaj has batted well. But Markram has, looks you know, very worrying. Temba Bavuma as well. Uh, De Bruyne, 
you know, it's just just not they. You know, Markham I think is the, is the most worrying because he's you know he's a very talented batsman, looks all at sea actually. And the other thing I'd say is the South African spinners um, have just not looked up to par really. Maharaj has has been going at four or five and over, and he's also injured now, right, for the next test, which starts this weekend. He is Mutasami, who I think was making his debut, if I'm not mistaken. So you can kind of excuse him, and then Dane Piet who batted at four and also bowled a fair bit in the first test, also didn't quite do it. So a lot of question marks for South Africa. And the next test is in Ranchi, which, as you may know, is MS Dhoni's hometown. Of course, MS Dhoni won't be playing. <laughs> but that's going to promise more of the same, I think. It's, you know, it's going to be a, another, another batting paradise. Great series for Rohit Sharma to stake his claim. Couldn't have ordered better pitches, really. And he's, to be fair to him, he's batted well. You still have to score the runs, right? He's looked compact. He's often ceded the initiative in the first uh, 30 minutes to an hour. And then he's kind of made the bowlers pay. So well done to him. Well done to Mayank Agarwal as well, who looks looks pretty solid up I mean, there. I think it's a good it's a good call out for people like, you know, Jason Roy and David Warner, those people. I mean, those stroke players to open the batting are okay, but they've got to find a way to get through that first half an hour, an hour without nicking off and going for a big drive. So I've been quite impressed by Robert Sharma just sort of sticking it out for the first half hour, hour, getting his eye in, not being too aggressive, then sort of building off that nicely. That's what you got to do. You can't just go out there when the ball's swinging and seeming and, and, you know, swing for the fences. Or you end up being like Aaron Finch and, you know, bold middle stump and, you know, nicking off straight straight in the first over. So that's not the way to go, really. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the only thing I'd say is it's a lot easier, I think, to do that on these surfaces compared to, you know, going out in Trent Bridge and the ball's hooping all over the place. And I think in that kind of situation, David Warner, he's probably thinking, okay, if I can just assert some sort of authority here, feel bat on ball, and then then maybe I can start to build an innings. You know, it just starts playing tricks with your mind, doesn't it? When you when you just can't, you can't lay bat on leather because the ball's moving around so much. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> we have. More, more times than, I, than I'd care to remember. Let me say. South Africa, I mean, the other thing to say about South Africa, there's a really good story about this by um, ESPN Quick Info's South African correspondent, Fredus Munda. You know, because you talk about the question marks around South Africa's selection, and uh, Munda actually wrote, there's, there's not really much else in terms of selection options. There's a real lack of depth in South African cricket. Cupboard's quite bare. I saw that article too, yeah. So I mean, that's worrying. So when you go to India, the temptation is to pick, just to kind of pick whichever spinners are kind of available, almost right. And they're not necessarily world class spinners, and that's always a worry. I think Australia's done that a couple of times where they've just picked spinners, or you know, Glenn Maxwell is a frontline spinner who's not going to cut it as a frontline spinner, right? As a part timer, fine, but not as your main spinners, right? So that's that's kind of the thing, isn't it? And they don't really have much, I don't think, in the cupboard, really. No, I think is uh, Lungi Ngidi will return for the third test. Is that correct? It's, he's supposed to be fit. Yeah, that that will help them for sure. Um, but yeah, some question marks for uh, for South Africa. Okay, so one more test, and then they've got you know a bunch of ODIs. I think three ODIs after that. So it's quite a long tour, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's it's a fairly long tour. Three tests, ODIs. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, you know, if nothing else, these these players will hopefully benefit from the experience all right so let's move on to another country let's go to england darren where you picked somehow the next england coach and uh, and, and, and some something of an outside pick as well at 
I would suggest. I don't think Chris Silverwood was the favoured candidate, even when it went down to two names, uh, Gary Kirsten and Silverwood. I think most people were expecting Gary Kirsten to get the nod. You know, I did look around and read some articles around it, and I think he's already in the establishment. And I think he seemed to be, from what I heard from Ashley Giles and people like that, he seemed to be sort of the favoured pick. And it's interesting, isn't it, that they've, they've appointed him. He gave a good account of himself at some of the press conferences recently, but he, he seems to be really focused on getting Joe Root's average above 50, which seems a strange focus for a coach right off the bat. And building support for Joe Root and making sure he can bat at four, there seems to be a lot of focus on the captain, which is a bit concerning, I'd say. But I think what they feel with Chris Silverwood is maybe he's more proactive. He's, he's a much more, I think, outspoken coach than I think um, is it, there was a funny quote to talk about Trevor Bayless where he said <laughs> his style is quite laid back and quite quiet, which I think some people appreciate. I think Owen Morgan appreciates the support and that he's the captain and he could drive things forward, whereas I think he's more in the background, isn't he? He's a coach, Bayless, whereas I think Chris Silverwood is much more assertive. And I think they feel that Joe Root needs a much more assertive partner um, versus somebody who's a bit laid back, that he needs to be a real, a real a, a support for him. And I think in test cricket, you do need that because test cricket is a five-day, quite intense sport. You do need, I think, a very strong coach that you can work together with as a captain um, to bounce ideas around to and, and team structures and, and tactics and things like that. So let's see how it goes. I mean, he knows the players quite well. Um, it seems that they respect him. So let's give him a chance. Sure. I mean, we should say that Toby Derman, even though he's not here, responded to the um, Chris Silverwood selection by calling it a bland pick. <laughs> I don't know um, what that means. Which, well, compared to Trevor Bayliss, I'm not sure Chris Silverwood is that bland. But look, Silverwood has a very good record in domestic cricket with Essex in particular. He uh, was head coach with them for two years, I think, and that included a promotion to the first division, and then they won the, the, the county championship the next year. And, and in fact, Essex has, has since gone on, I think, to win it again. Thanks in, in large part, I think, to, to, you know, the players that Silverwood brought through there. Um, he spent, I think, seven years there altogether and did very well. And England bowling um, coach too, right? So, and he has that pedigree yeah, as well. Yeah, so he's no mug. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's a, he's, it's not like he's new to this coaching game. Um, and like you said, he's very uh, respected by the players. You know, he took 577 first-class wickets at an average of 27.41. So he knows his way around the domestic game at least. And he's young. He's young as well. And I think there Don't is... Don't be ageist. It doesn't matter about his age. No, I, I, I mean, look, I, don't, I personally don't think it makes a difference. But I do feel like when they're picking coaches, there's sometimes a bias towards younger coaches. There's a feeling that they're more in touch with, I don't know, the latest thinking and the latest technology and so on. But I, I, I agree with you. There's absolutely no reason why um, that has nothing to do with age, really. So there you go. So Chris Silverwood, New England coach. We have lots of new appointments, don't we? All around the world. Many, many new appointments. Yeah. Do we? What else? <laughs> One of your favorite cricketers of all time in India, Sir Ganguly. So he's not a, he's not a sir yet, but yes, he, he, he thinks yeah. he is though. So <laughs> he, he thinks he's a prince. I think, I think he does. The prince, the prince of Kolkata. There was a very interesting story when we played with when we used to have the Shanghai Sixers back in the early noughties and, and late nineties. We used to get a lot of the international players coming over, and I won't tell you who said this. We, we were doing cricket stories. We were sitting around having a beer after the game, and we said, you know, who is the kind of interesting people you play with and he said well 
Saurav Ganguly was great. He said, um, we had him at our county one season and he came into the dressing room into the game with the entourage of people all around him carrying his kit and all that sort of stuff and, you know, shining his shoes and making sure he was already like a real Maharaj, like a prince. And they said that that's how he kind of behaved in the dressing room too, very entitled. Well, don't you? Is is that is this not normal? Oh, I do, of I course. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> you know, you hear these stories about Ganguly and I just wonder sometimes how how apocryphal they are. Because when he was in... Indian captain. I mean, so when he, when he first got in the team, you know, I don't know if you remember this, when India toured uh, Australia in 1992, you remember that tour, uh, Tendulkar. Of course I do. All that stuff. That was Ganguly's first tour with the Indian team. And he was sent home or something like that because he wouldn't carry his own kit, which yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for as an 18-year-old. I think that's really, that shows a huge amount of, of ego. Yeah, he didn't have a valid then. He didn't, he, he, yeah, he needed his, uh, well, he needed his, his version of a Suresh Rhino. He did. Who's <laughs> a Suresh Rhino now? And, and I think he got that eventually in the Indian team. But the, but the interesting thing to me always about Saurabh Ganguly is despite coming from such a, honestly, such a privileged background and, and you know, I think in, in many respects, having his path into the, the upper echelons of cricket quite, quite smoothed for him. He had to fight very hard to get back into the Indian team. There were certainly no favours done to him. And in fact, I think his his kind of upbringing started to count against him. So he had to fight very hard to get back in. It took him six, no, it took him four years to get back into the team. And then he, you know, he really started playing well for India, reeling off a number of big scores. I think as a captain, he was transformative, right? I mean, he, he, he transformed the way they played, right? Absolutely. He transformed. If you look at Indian cricket, there really is. It's before Ganguly. And after Ganguly. I totally agree with that. I mean, I was at a game where he blasted it. He opened the batting and he blasted 100 at Gabba uh, against a very good Australian team, uh, Brett Lee, etc. And he, he just put his stamp on the game. And he, but he was very aggressive in the field. He'd give it back to the Australians. He pumped the chest out. And I guess, I guess he brought sort of a more aggressive India uh, into world cricket. And they've, they've been thriving ever since, to be honest. And that's all he, down he to him. He changed India from a team that was kind of happy to just just go along with stuff. You know, you never kind of really got the sense India were going to fight that hard to win, especially overseas. He changed their attitude to a team that would win. The little one percenters too, you know, better fielding, better discipline, all those kind of things that go with a winning culture, right? Yeah, not so much for him, but, but certainly... In t- <laughs> certainly. Do what I say, don't do what I do, yeah, right? Exactly. So it's weird. So he's definitely, he's not a soft touch at all, despite the fact you would think he might be given his background. No, he, 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 he definitely turned in, India into a fighting team who'd give as good as they would get on the field and so on. He's got a lot of backbone. Um, I'm not really sure about Ganguly as an administrator because, you know, being an administrator in India, it's just all about politics. Um, and, you know, I think he plays the political game really well. He's very well-connected in, in Calcutta. He's, he is effectively the, sort of the, the key person in Bengali cricket. But even with this whole thing with the BCCI, so he's been named, or he's going to be named president, unanimous choice. I mean, I don't know if you read about how it's all been decided. It's not exactly a sort of beacon of, of transparency and democracy. It's a conclave, isn't it? When they choose the Pope almost. It's like very secretive kind of. Very much. I mean, I think that they all met at someone's house. Maybe that was where um, Tendulkar did that Steve Smith breakdown. Was, do you think he was there at that, was at someone's house? <laughs> You think he was in the kitchen, maybe, <laughs> making a snack. Yeah. 
Well, it may be because Tendulkar d- d- doesn't emerge with. I don't think he was involved in this at all. Tendulkar's not. I'm kidding. Not been a uh, name to any position, I, and I'm not. I don't even think he wants a position. But it, basically, these sort of Indian cricket power brokers. Um, uh, who have we got? Uh, Anurag Thakur and Srinivasan, our old friend, all met and and decided that Ganguly would become president of the BCCI and. Uh, Jay Shah, who's the son of the Indian Home Minister Amit Shah, also a very controversial character. He will take over the, uh, I think the IPL. And meanwhile, I think the post of treasurer has been, a, has been offered to Arun Dumal, who's the brother of the former BCCI president, Anurag Thakur. So yeah, it looks like the, that sort of cabal that controls Indian cricket is going to continue controlling Indian cricket. Of course, whether that will actually come to pass is questionable because one of the things we've seen over the last couple of years is that the Supreme Court in India has taken a very close eye on the BCCI. They have appointed a committee of administrators, which is effectively in charge of the board's operations. And the COA um, has kind of served as a check on the BCCI power, but it's important to remember that the COA term is coming to an end. So the BCCI will get back its authority and control under this new leadership team. But it does look like the traditional forces of power and political influence um, are going to kind of resume their control over the BCCI. And that raises the question of whether the Supreme Court um, will have to intervene again. So more fun and games, I suspect, when it comes to Indian cricket. I'm not really sure... Yeah, I just don't know how they ever resolve these issues. As my political economy professor used to say, special deals for special mates. I think his, his platform is interesting, though, right? He's, he's talked about two things. He's talked about really upping the ante in first-class cricket in India, including increasing the, the payments of a lot of the players. Because the players, I understand, who play first-class often don't make very much money as a, you know, to make a living. So that's it. I think it, it makes a lot of sense to ensure the next generation, if you can get that done. The other thing he says which is quite a rant about the ICC seems to be weakened. Uh, sorry, the BCCI seems to be weakened in the ICC, which seems incredulous to me. But he does claim that they make 70 to 75% of the revenues of global cricket, which is probably true. Yeah, that's the sort of India first mantra. Yeah, it's also going to the nationalism <laughs> thing, which is playing really well in India right now, isn't it? Populism everywhere in the world. It's on the rise, man. It is. It is, and, and you see it in world cricket. I mean, there's definitely an India first kind of mantra. It totally is. Everyone's taking advantage um, of India. We need to fight back. Indian. I know. And it's crazy, really. But there has been this sense growing that India has sort of abdicated its role at the ICC since the COA took over, and maybe Ganguly wants to change that. The, the domestic players are certainly important. I mean, they, they, they get paid more now than they used to, but they're still not. It's not parity with other boards. So anyway... Sarah Ganguly, BCCI president. I mean, it's, it's, it's very quick. So Yeah, it, was, it seemed like he was being discussed, then he's all of a sudden he's it. So I guess that's it. Yeah, rapid elevation for the, print, for the prince of Kolkata. Okay, Darren, tell, explain the 100. I think what is great about the 100 is, I think you and I talked about this before we went on air, right? I think we're learning about it and everyone's learning about it. But what I'm, my key message for the 100 is this. As it's getting closer and closer... I'm getting more and more excited about it. I think the quality of the players are really good. Uh, there's eight, you know, eight teams, obviously. They've already made their first kind of an initial picks, which is quite interesting. So you have, you know, each of the made fragiles has three, three major players each. 
and then on the weekend they're going to do the um, the draft, which is actually really cool. So there's, so everyone has to draw lots. They'll go around uh, the eight clubs and then they'll draw lots and one by one they'll pick players. So I think it's a good system. But I think most of the players, again, the Indian players are not available, which does my head in every time at these big events. The Big Bash too, none of the Indian players can play, which is annoying. But again... India first, Darren. India first. India first. Well, they could make more money, couldn't they, if they were playing in the BBL? So the BCCI. No one ever suggests suggests that populism makes economic sense. Yeah, exactly. So I think some of the key players in the draft aren't there. There's Steve Smith and David Warner, which you'd think would go pretty fast. And of course, Mitchell Stark, you'd probably want him in your team any day of the week. And then, of course, we've got Chris Gale. The universe boss. The universe boss. Although I'm not sure if there'll be much interest for him. I'm, he seems to be waning a bit. Lasseth Malinga is turning back the clock, isn't he, after those couple of hat-tricks recently? I'm convinced he can keep playing T20 till he's like 70. I think he could. He's, he's such a gun player. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He could be like 250 pounds, which he may well be, actually, at this point. And I reckon he can still trundle up to the crease and just sling through one of those, you know, in-swinging... All he needs to do is, think- is bowl four overs, right? So the older you get, it becomes quite easy. That's keep his body in, fit, in check. That's all he's got to do. He doesn't have to be out in the field in a test match, like, for five days. Yeah, I think with that round-arm action, it just, you know, he doesn't need the run-up. He just, he's, he's, yeah, he's... And the thing is, you know, people have been playing against him for years, right? They still can't work him out. He still takes those wickets, right? You know, who else is there? I think Kagisa Rabada, too, might be a good, good draft pick. And then, of course, we have players like Shane Watson, who I, I thought had retired. Ooh, Shane Watson's coming w- back. Watto could be a good pick just for a, for a laugh for one of their clubs, I guess. He's a part of a lot of jokes in England, isn't he? Yeah, but also he's, uh, I mean, you know, he's a good player, so you know, he, he, could, he could do a job. He's, I mean, he's a very talented player, Shane Watson. Um, there's a lot of domestic players. I think the highest reserve price is Mark Wood. So this is obviously the, d- the domestic players that weren't picked already as local icons. So each team has, has already picked three three players. So two of them are local icons. One of them, I don't know what they are. It's, it, it does get a bit confusing after a certain point. Yeah, it does. But one of the things we, we know for sure is that Joe Root is not playing for the Yorkshire team, the Northern Superchargers, because uh, they, they picked Ben Stokes instead. You can't really blame them. They had an abundance of riches, didn't they? They choose between Johnny Besto, Joe Root, or Ben Stokes. Yeah, it's weird because there's only there's the Northern Superchargers, which kind of covers Yorkshire and Durham, um, the catchment area, and then there's the Manchester Originals, which is kind of Lancashire. I don't know who else, but it's it, you know they they've kind of oh actually Joss Butler's gone to um, the Manchester Originals, which is kind of interesting. That wasn't aware Joss Butler played for Lancashire. Well, he's in Manchester. Yeah, he's gone there. So I guess. Yeah. So um, so Joe Root, anyways, is. is Going slightly further south to um, to Trent Bridge. Rockets. Trent Rockets. Oh, by yeah. the way, Joss Butler does play for Lancashire. He moved there from Somerset. And there was music. Oh, there we go. Tobes would have known that, wouldn't he? He, was, he? he would have. Yeah, this is why we need um, Toby Doman to, to correct us when it comes to our complete and total ignorance of them. But I, but I think as it, as it kind of looms closer, it does become more interesting, doesn't it? I mean, I think there's going to be some interesting stuff. I mean, there's 53 Australian players that are making themselves available for this draft. I mean, it's it's great for mercenaries everywhere. Yeah, I mean, regular players too, because it comes out of the Australian season a bit, right? So it's easy for them to go over there. I mean, all of them available. Glenn Maxwell as well, Aaron Finch. Um, yeah, Morning Morkel. Yeah, Morning Morkel. Morning Morkel's up there, uh, Samit Patel, Joe Denley, Liam Livingston. These are all players that are going to command um, 
some serious money. And let's not forget the women's competition as well, which um, I think in the women's 100, each side has already selected two centrally contracted female England players. Um, there's no draft for the women's competition, but they're going to fill the remaining places just by picking players at different salary bra- brackets as well. And so whilst, you know, I think the 100 from a, you know, from a men's perspective is interesting. I actually think, you know, in terms of women's cricket, it could have a really, could be very beneficial just in turning, you know, kind of average fans on to some of these players they may not know so much about. But the reality is they could have just done this for the domestic T20 tournament, right? That is the reality, Darren. I mean, that is the question all of us They ask. could have had three international big marquee players, right? They could have allocated people amongst teams. So I don't know why they need another format. Did we need a new format? I mean, this is the question, and I'm, I'm not convinced we did. The ECB has, what, these hundreds of thousands of, of pounds in reserves, and they're spending all of it on the hundreds. Well, I, I, it's obviously consulting companies come up with this idea and probably made a lot of money from it. But, you know, why not, why not have an eight? I like the idea of having the sort of team, you know, the team space in cities. I think that's kind of interesting. But why wouldn't you just do the, the eight-city approach with a T20 that has marquee global players and a lot more money? I mean, it, it would turn it up a lot. Look at the Big Bash. Yeah. So the Big Bash is also getting more international players into, into the system as well. So it would be more, even more popular. Anyway, a quick run through the top players in each. So Trent Rockets have Joe Root, Alex Hales. Southern Brave have Joffre Archer and James Vince and Chris Jordan. Northern Superchargers have Ben Stokes, Adol Rashid. The Welsh Fire have Johnny Bairstow, which is interesting because I wasn't aware Johnny Bairstow had any links. And Colin Ingram too, which is an interesting pick. They've gone for that local pick. And yeah. Tom Banton, apparently he's a bit of a young gun with the batting and has just bought, yeah. joined my city in Australia for the big, for the BBL, Tom Banton. He's got a contract with is his, BBL. Is the his, Brisbane Heat. If his, nickname, if his nickname is not Buju, that has to be corrected. Buju Banton. Oh, Buju Banton. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, I, read up. Get on. Get on. Do your googles. Do the do, do your dance hall googles. Um, <laughs> oral in sorry. Oral, <laughs> I was going to say oral in oval invincibles. Oral uh, invincibles. <laughs> Sam Curran, Jason Roy, and Tom Curran. Oh, the brothers so got the the Curran brothers. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think the third Curran brother has been promoted to the first division of the county championship. By the way which I'm not sure what his name is. We will find out in due course, no doubt. Manchester Originals, as we mentioned, Joss Butler, Mac Parkinson and Saqib Mahmood. London Spirit have Rory Burns, which is interesting because there was some talk he was going to be a non-playing player, but he's not. He's been picked as a local icon. Although knowing Rory Burns, he may well be a non-playing player. <laughs> um, let's see. It's harsh. <laughs> Even when he's batting, I feel like he's sometimes a non-playing player. They also have Owen Morgan uh, and then Birmingham Phoenix has Chris Wokes, Moeen Ali. So yeah, some decent teams in there. And um, as you said, the draft this weekend. And then there'll be wild cards. Yes, they will. That can be picked. So Because I'm, I'm fascinated though. I might, we have, might have to get over the next summer to England and watch a game or two. I just think it's super interesting to see how this plays out. Lots to look forward to. All right. Did you want to talk about women's cricket? I did. There was some really great news. And this has been in the works for a while. Some great news out of Australia this week. I think in a couple of areas. One was paid parental leave um, in cricket. So I think that all cricketers now have the females cricketers uh, parental leave policy, which is which is well beating. I think it's all players are eligible for 12 months paid leave now. Uh, and they're guaranteed a contract extension for the following year, which I think is just fantastic for the sport. So it really keeps people in the game. It doesn't give them a disadvantage of having children, um, which has been a problem before people leaving the game after they have children. So I think it's a fantastic move from 
Cricket Australia. They should be lauded for that. And I think also there's been another commitment from Cricket Australia to commit to power, pay parity for Women's World T20 as well. So the CAs said that the top up prize money will match the men's winnings for the World Cup, which is coming up next year in Australia. And also I think the ICC has increased the pot by over 300%, but still less than the men. So there's, there's great progress being made by the ICC, but I think Australia is leading the way uh, in prize money for women. So I think that's great. And they should be lauded for that. So that's really good to see. No, you're right. It's very good to see. Uh, and I'm hopeful that other domestic cricket boards will take note. You know, it would it would be very uh, interesting if that was also one of Saurabh Ganguly's priorities. Yeah, it could be a good a good uh, a good thing for him to to focus on as well, yeah, right? Because as the uh, the richest cricket board in the world, as we're often reminded, uh, it would be nice if India's uh, women cricketers were also started to see some of that largesse in uh, in, in in higher numbers. All right, do we have Muppets and quotes? We do have Muppets. We have a couple of contenders for Muppets. And I, I think the Muppet is sort of this sort of taking someone literally, literally, which is the literal award goes to Mitchell Marsh. Uh, I believe Tim Payne told him to act more like Ben Stokes in the recent Ashes series, and he sure's taken that literally by punching a wall and breaking his hand. Very, very, very good behaviour from the captain of Western Australia. So it's basically ruled him out for six weeks. Justin Langer has called him an idiot. <laughs> That's, you know, quote unquote. Uh, and he is. He lost his cool in a, in, a, uh, in a Sheffield Shield game over the weekend. As you all do sometimes, you know, go into the locker room, punch a wall, hole in the wall and broken his hand just like Ben Stokes did in 2014 at the Kensington Oval against uh, the West Indies, I believe. And that actually ruled him out of the T20 World Cup in 2014, Ben Stokes, after punching the wall. So he's taken that literally, hasn't he, Mitchell Marsh? And is behaving like Ben Stokes. I wonder if he'll get in a fight. Um, we can see him at Perth sometime standing up for his rights. Yeah, it was real muppetry. I mean, given that he's just kind of re-established himself in the team and now he's going to be out. So, well done, Mitchell Marsh. Um, before we get to quotes, just a, I just want to mention just a few retirements. Are we doing obituaries uh, now? Because, <laughs> well, <laughs> I just think we, we should. I, I always feel like when, when people retire, we should just at least mention them. So Jenny Gunn. Uh, England um, women's all-rounder made her debut in 2004, played 259 times for England. Uh, really, really good servant for the England team. England wicketkeeper Sarah Taylor has also uh, has also retired from international cricket because um, of mental uh, health issues. Um, so that, that is definitely an interesting one. Um, obviously, you know, our thoughts are with her, but we have seen this happen many times, right, with many players in terms of international cricket, the pressures it brings. Uh, in terms of mental health. And it's it's interesting you brought up parental leave. You know, that's kind of, you know, in, intertwined with this issue as well, that the amount of, of time players spend on the road uh, is not helpful. And that's definitely something to watch. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine the stress of being a female cricketer and thinking about ha- wanting to have a child. I mean, it's, it's it, it must be very stressful without that sort of security blanket, right, um, to go forward. So you, you would be quite stressful, I imagine. And it, and it loses a lot of... And, and a lot of women would go out of the sport because of that. Yeah. And finally... Moeen Ali, who hasn't retired, but is considering test retirement. That's not surprising. What do you make of that, Darren? I think it's not a surprise at all. I mean, he, he, he might be, I think, you know, last summer was probably a, a kind of line in the ground for him. Uh, I think he should follow, focus on white ball quicker. I'm not surprised at all, actually. Yeah, it's, I, I do feel like it's a bit of a shame. He's such a, such a talented player. But anyway, he is. Well, he's a talented player. Well. He can play white ball and be very talented, right? I mean, focus on his white ball skills. Why not? 
Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's not going to hurt him at all. He'll do well. In fact, there's so many T20 tournaments as well that he can play his trade at. You just wonder, are there that many better spinners than him in England? Mm, I think there are. Are there? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's probably one or two. I don't know if there's that many. That, that, that would be my, be my concern. They might drag him in for a subcontinent tour, maybe. Dust the boots yeah, off. Yeah, maybe. Oh, he, does, he doesn't do well in the subcontinent. No, he doesn't. You're right. Where does he do well? In these days, he doesn't. He doesn't, doesn't do well. He gets smashed in Australia. So I don't know where he. I was going to say, he doesn't do well anywhere these <laughs> yeah. days. So maybe it's um, time. Yeah. All right. Moe Nali. All right. Quotes. This is, this is special quotes this time because Ravi Shastri is back. Dan. He is. I've got a good one. It's been tough going in the quotes section. It, it's actually not. It's actually from the end of last month, actually, the end of September. I know, but, but you take what you can and get we do. when it comes to. So he says, if someone goofs up, I have to pull them up. Am I there only to play tabla, which is a drum? I understand. So that that it was is, it's the Indian yeah, who drum. knows what he was yeah, talking yeah. about, but there's an explanation. India coach Ravi Shastri on being asked why the team management appears to be critical of keeper batsman Rishabh Pant. So obviously he's yeah, goofing so up. <coughs> there was there's been a lot of criticism of Rishabh Pant after the um, I think after the World Cup and so on, uh, and and the West Indies tour as well. And so I think so, it's been quite unfair. It's almost as if they're saying to him, okay, you're in the team because you're this explosive batsman, but you've got to be more careful with That's your right. shot selection. Yeah. And as, as all of us explosive batsmen understand <laughs> only too well, Darren, it's very hard to be careful about your, your shot selection. Wickets exploding if, Yeah, if you. you've got the shots, you've got to play them. Yeah, you do. That's what people don't understand. That's what people like Ravi Shastri definitely don't understand. Yeah. Um, and the tabla player is kind of considered, you know, it's like the drummer, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of the person who's the, the accompaniment, doesn't have a view, Percussion. just there to make up the numbers. Which is what he normally does. Um, <laughs> Ravi Shastri is no tabla player. Mm. Let's be clear about that. Yeah, he's not. So anyway, that was the first, his first quote. And then the second one, um, which is, you know, a bit more philosophical, more, more of the kind of life advice he likes to sometimes dole out. Sometimes in cricket, nothing is automatic. When automatic fails, you need some fuel. Now, I mean, what, what do you think Shastri was referring to with, with this particular with this particular choice of words, Darren? I have no idea. It's a bizarre quote. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of automatic for the people. You know the REM album. No, the REM album. Automatic yeah, for the nope. people. I, I don't. I don't know if <laughs> Ravi Shastri is a is a is a um, REM fan. He was talking about why R. Ashwin is no longer an automatic choice as India's lead spinner in tests. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure what his quote means. When automatic fails, you need some fuel. Does this mean that, like, Ravi Jadeja is, is petrol? Yeah. Is, is he manual? Putting out the fire with gasoline. Um, is he the clutch? Is he the clutch, the brake? I, I don't know. But there has been a lot of banter, hasn't there, a lot of talk around this Ashwin versus Jadeja thing isn't there yeah i mean it's yeah it's it's weird on on one level because you sort of think to yourself ashwin is a better spinner a better bowler but actually when you think about it a little bit more you, you realize ashwin's often not fit i think there are concerns about ashwin's fitness he's he just he doesn't last a full series very often these days especially outside in it doesn't feel very well does he i mean his batting is up his batting is up and down whereas jadeja's batting in the last couple of years has really taken off that's the other thing, right? Jadeja is is literally a three in one player. He is. He is. He is a three D player. He's a three D player. He is and superstar. And he delivers on all three these days. You know, his batting is 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 very responsible. The superstar, as Shane Warne calls him, 
he believes he's a superstar as well. He's got that sort of swagger, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, but he works hard. He fields well. And I think Ashwin, you know, if, if you were to put them up purely as bowlers, yes, Ashwin at his best, no question, better bowler than Jadeja. But his, his best days just seem to come less frequently than they used to. Having said that, Ashwin, to his credit, since he was, since he was, um, sort of uh, dropped, I think particularly he's, he's been dropped from the white ball teams. He's just been playing cricket, a lot of cricket. He played, you know, he played a lot for, uh, I can't remember one of the English counties, took a lot of wickets. Um, he's been, bowling for his club side, Tamil Nadu, Madras. He's been turning up at matches on the back of, of scooters. You know, he's he's just been bowling a lot, uh, regaining, trying to regain his fitness, and he looked very good against South Africa. So, you know, maybe maybe the break has done him good. We shall see. I think the, the real question marks are when India will tour somewhere like Australia or South Africa. Again. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's Cricket Ultras for this week we will be back again in the not too distant future darren thank you very much